Hey, it's Chris Van Vliet, and man, what an amazing conversation I just had with Elias in the cave. So why don't you guys come into the cave? Join us. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. You with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more from deep inside the man cave. Your host, Elias. Chris, welcome to the cave. Elias, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I've been excited for this interview for a few weeks now. How are you? Well, likewise. I'm doing great. I appreciate you taking the time to have me on. So, yeah, man, like uh, your career, all I can say is, Wow. It's like, is, is there anything you haven't done yet? <laughs> after like <laughs> after doing all these notes and everything, I'm like, first off, congrats on the hard work. You put a lot of work into this. Yeah, no, thank you. And that's like super kind of you to say. I've just been kind of one of those people that like when I find something that I'm passionate about, yeah. and something that I'm interested in, I point myself in that direction and try to figure out like, okay, how can this be done? I'm one of those right. people that like, if I see somebody else doing the thing that I want to do, I go, oh, cool. That just means that I can do it as well. I just got to figure out how to get there. And as kind and as nice as that is for you to say, like, I still feel like I'm so like, I'm just getting started. Like, there's so many more things I want. to. I actually wrote that in my notes. It feels like you're just getting started. There's so much more I want to do. I mean, because you've done, you've traveled all over the world. You've done, you've covered Oscars, Grammys, you podcast, YouTube, interviews. It's like four time award winning TV host. It's like, What's missing? What do you, what's on the bucket list? <laughs> I think it's just more, you know, it's, yeah. and that's the whole reason I moved to Los Angeles. I've been here about a year now. And when you work in television, when you work in entertainment, this is yeah. the place to be. And for me to be a kid originally from Pickering, Ontario, which is a suburb of Toronto, okay. even to just move to the U.S. is a huge thing. But now to be able to move to the U.S. and then figure out where I want to live within the US. Mm. I don't know. That's why I feel like I say I'm just getting started. We're all just getting out of COVID together here. Right. So we're all kind of like chomping at the bit, I feel like. So you so you bet you grew up in Canada. Like what brought you to like broadcasting? What did you fall in love with that you decided to jump into it? I mean, if we take it way back, I had a Fisher Price tape recorder, like with cassette tapes when I was four years old. And okay. would just I would, I would mimic my favorite radio broadcasters. So I'm sure my mom still has these cassette tapes somewhere, <laughs> but I would pretend to be these radio hosts. And wow. then as I got a little bit older, we had a communication studies class in high school where we made television. Like we made a TV segment mm. every single week. And I just loved being in front of the camera and I loved presenting. And I had done some plays uh, in my school and also at church. And I became the vice president of my student council where I got to do the morning announcements, host oh, wow. the talent show, host the fashion show. So I just loved being able to evoke that emotion out of a crowd. So that's where my passion for broadcasting and my passion for just storytelling, which I mean, broadcasting and storytelling are basically the same thing. Yeah. So that's where that began. And if I'm being completely honest with you, Elias, like it was a long shot, like, yeah. For, especially for a kid growing up in Canada, there's not a ton of spots for you on TV as a TV host or as a news broadcaster. Mm. But I figured, well, I'm going to at least give it a try. Like I, I might as well try. And if I fail, at least I can say, you know, when I was 77 and, you know, hated my job for, you know, my career, I can say, well, when I was 21, I tried. Right. So that was, that was it for me. Just I didn't want to have a job that I hated going to. 
And it's funny because, like, you just see it from Canada. Now, like, the business of Canada is booming with, like, the acting and stuff. And the, it's like the Hollywood. Yeah. But, but they, yes. But still, most of the stars that are filming there are just coming in from the U.S. And yeah. they're just taking advantage of the great tax credits in Canada. But for everybody on the production side of things, yeah. uh, it's been a booming business. So, yeah. I mean, and I was fortunate before I moved to the U.S. I was in a in uh, as a background actor, as an extra in a bunch of movies in Canada, which is really cool. Yeah. In fact, if you go and look at the trailer for the movie, The Love Guru with Mike Myers, uh, yeah, yeah, you may see a, a familiar face in there. <laughs> now, yeah, that was about what, was that 90s, late 90s, early 2000s? No, we filmed that in 2007, it came out in 2008. Okay. So that must have been a fun little gig. Oh, it was super fun. I mean, I was on set with, at that time, like Mike Myers, and there was a bunch of like ton of cameos in the scenes that I was in. So like Jessica yeah. Alba was there and, oh my gosh, who else? There were so many people. Vern Troyer was in the scenes I was in. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. So going through school and everything and doing all this, what was one of your first things that you started doing after like college? I mean, I, I, so I had an epiphany in my senior year of college and I, I loved college. I lived with four of my best friends. Yeah. We lived in this house and I was studying communication studies, but I had this epiphany in my senior year that like college was fun. I was having the best time, but it hit me like when we graduated, that was it. Like no more fun. It was, you had to go work for, you know, the rest of your life. So in that moment, I decided, well, I better start putting the wheels in motion here. I better start stacking the deck in my favor so that when I graduate, I can try to get a job. So it started before I graduated with me reaching out to every radio station in my college town, every TV station in my college town, and just said, I'm passionate about broadcasting. I'm a senior uh, in studying communication studies. Can I just come in and see how it's done in the real world? And one radio station brought me in as part of their street team where I would like hand out stickers at events. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Another TV station said, uh, yeah, we, we, hire volunteers all the time. Come on in. And I was part of like the production crew did VTR audio, uh, floor directing, all this behind the scenes stuff. And then this news talk radio station said, well, we don't take on volunteers, but how would you like a job? And I went, wow. uh, okay. They said, well, it only pays $8 an hour. And I said, well, that's $8 more than I thought I was going to make. And that's really how it began. So by the time I graduated, I had six, seven months of quote unquote, real world experience. So that when it came time for me to look into internships, I at least had something on my resume. So those were the first steps I took. And then if I'm being completely honest, nobody was interested in giving me an internship because it wasn't attached to my college program. So I, I was reaching out to all these TV stations, wasn't hearing back from anybody. I found the, I Googled the email address for the general manager of this tiny station, like an hour away from my hometown lied to him and said, Oh, I'm going to be there for spring break. I'm going to be in Peterborough, Ontario. Could I come in and just talk to you about a possible internship? And he's like, well, if you're going to be in town, yeah, come on by total lie. <laughs> Hadn't been in that town in like 10 years, had no plans to go to that town. But when I went in, he said, you know, you've, you've actually done quite a bit of stuff. You've got a lot on your resume. What the heck? Yeah. yeah we'll take a chance on you. Wow. Was the, so was the goal first, maybe like just work in the radio or did you do, was the goal like TV? The goal was get on air somewhere okay, somehow, and, right. and then hopefully like, you know, continue to just work really hard at it. Like when I had that job that paid $8 an hour, I was a board operator. So you're sitting behind the soundboard, like, you know, yeah. playing with the mixers and stuff. 
when my shift was done, I would go into the recording booth and then I would just record like these radio demos. So I at least had something to show for it. I had like these CDs with like Sharpie written all over the dates yeah. of me, you know, making these recordings. So the goal, yes, was TV, but I know that TV and radio go hand in hand. So I was like, well, any experience in front of a mic, whether it's a lapel mic that sits on, you know, my, uh, mm. on my collar or a mic like this, like a radio mic, any experience I knew was going to really help me. Yeah. Isn't it funny how like times have changed now? Like, yeah, now it's like, now it's like you could just pretty much have your own radio station in your house. What we do, you do whatever yeah. you want, like how we're doing right now. It's like, oh my God. I think about all the time, like just eight years ago, if you wanted to go live, you needed to own a television station, right. <laughs> fill it with people that would be able to do all the different things. Then you'd have to send someone out, you know, you'd send the signal to like a satellite and all this crazy stuff. You want to go live now, you pull your supercomputer out of your pocket here, your phone, you push a button, boom, you're live. Right. It's just crazy. How, oh, like, it's, how so, it's a completely different time. And I understand that the story of how I came up in broadcasting is like vastly different from any kid who's doing this in 2021 now. Right. Well, uh, around what year was that? That was 2005. Okay. So I started so, yeah. in television in 2005. And I mean, think about it, 2005, YouTube didn't exist. You know, not, not certainly not the way it does now. Um, Facebook was not a thing that was open to the public, like completely different world. And I'd say that I was in that world from 2005 to probably like social media started becoming a real thing in the broadcasting world, probably not to like 2010, 11, yeah. 12. And I still felt at that time, a lot of TV stations were like, oh yeah, it's a passing fad. <laughs> Sure, now this will never it. catch on right right so um so i mentioned like you, you've done a, like traveling all over the world too and like even you've covered like oscars and grammys like how did you get a, how did you get into that uh area so when i my that very first job that i had was i was working in news and i was like i was a local yeah. news reporter but the next job i had was I, that's when i really started to get like into doing entertainment news and like actual TV hosting. Yeah. So I started interviewing a lot of actors and directors and comedians and just celebrities in general. That's where all that stuff started to come into play. So, you know, it was, I kind of broke the ice with a bunch of musician interviews mm. when I was hosting a show for MTV2 in Vancouver, MTV2 Canada. And that's kind of where the ball got rolling. And oftentimes when you want to do the, or when movie studios want you to talk about their movie, instead of sending the actors to you and to all the different TV stations, they'll take all the reporters and fly them into one location and wow. say, all right, tomorrow you're going to interview everybody. And then the, the actor will just sit in a room and 30, 40, 50 reporters cycle their way through. So that's really where that began. And in terms of the Oscars, that was pretty crazy. I moved to the U S in 2010 I was working for the CBS affiliate in Cleveland. And my first week of work happened to be Oscars week. And my boss goes- No pressure. Yeah, right? <laughs> my boss goes, what a great way to like introduce you to our audience. We're gonna send you to the Oscars. And I went, what? So yeah, like my first week of work, I was sent to the Oscars and it was kind of like hit the ground running and like you're, th you're thrown to the wolves and you just gotta figure out a way to survive. and. I'll, I got to tell you, Elias, there's nothing like being on the Oscars red carpet. Like that is the biggest night in entertainment. And to be like a part of that is a really, really cool thing. How did, so I, I must've missed the Cleveland part. And when I was doing the research, how did you, you ended up in Florida too, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So my path was basically that small, that internship that I had at that TV station turned into a job. So it was Peterborough, yeah. Ontario, then Vancouver for MTV2 Canada, right. then Toronto. Man, I moved wow. all over the place. <laughs> that, back, so back to my hometown in Toronto. Then I got a job in Cleveland, five years yeah. in Cleveland at the CBS station. Wow. Then from there, five years in Miami hosting a show called Deco Drive on the Fox station in Miami. Wow. And now I'm in, I've been in LA for about yeah. a year. While you were in Miami uh, or in Florida, like you start, that's when you started like doing your own YouTube stuff also, right? Well, my, so yeah, I mean, that's when I really started like put the like time and effort into it. So my YouTube yeah. channel is like, I think it's 10 years old. Yeah, I started in 2011, but I was really just like putting up like the raw versions of the interviews I was doing because wow. it kind of sucked. If you interviewed someone like really big, yeah, the model of television is unless you were watching channel 19, at exactly 10, 14 PM, yeah. you never saw that little snippet of my interview. So, and that was the other thing, you know, you do a 10, 15, 20 minute interview and we'd only air 30, 40 seconds of it. So I started taking the raw versions of those interviews and just putting them on my YouTube channel. Cause I'm like, well, other people will appreciate these. And I started to see like the growth was kind of starting to build, especially when I was doing like interviews with like really like at the time, like Twilight was a really big movie or the Hunger Games really big. Yeah. So like they would really start to build some momentum. And you're right. When I was in Florida, I kind of started to look at it through a different lens. I went, well, instead of just getting these interviews that I'm already getting for work, what if I started to go out of my way a little bit? Like what if I drove to Orlando, which was a three hour drive, or I drove to Jacksonville, five hour drive and started like going out of my way to make these interviews happen. What could my YouTube channel become? And that's when it really started to gain some traction and like really started to grow. Yeah. Cause the, when I found you a few years ago, it was one of those things where like, I forgot what I was researching and all of a sudden like a wrestling interview came up or something. I'm like, sure. Who's this guy? And then I started like, then I started following you and everything. Like you've done some, like some awesome interviews, even which was like old school wrestlers, new wrestlers today. Like, how did you find your like your love for wrestling also? I've I've always like been aware of wrestling. Like wrestling's yeah. like feel like in the zeitgeist for all of us, but I'm, you know, in the attitude era I was in high school and it was hot. Like wrestling was like the thing at the time. So I started watching wrestling like 98, 99 okay. and yeah. I just became really passionate about it and like there was a point where I wanted to be a pro wrestler. I was <laughs> I was a try? backyard wrestler. Did you try? I, I went to wrestling school. So I was a backyard wrestler with some of my friends in my hometown. And then when I was in college, I spent a summer going to wrestling wow. school. And then at the end of that summer, kind of had to decide, like I was living in my hometown for that summer. And then it was back to my college town. I had yeah. to decide like, where's my focus here? Is it on wrestling school or is it on school school? Because at that point, wrestling school was like an hour-ish away, four days a week, a lot more money than I had budgeted for. So I went to wrestling school, trained for a handful of months, and then decided, you know what? I got to finish my communication studies degree. I'm going to focus on this dream, this goal of working in broadcasting. And man, I've been so lucky because I get to work in broadcasting. And then every once in a while, you know, dip my toe into that world of wrestling. Yeah. Well, AEW. I remember I was like watching TV. I'm like, whoa, he was on AEW. Then you disappeared. Yeah. Well, I was only asked to be part of that first show. Oh. All right. So they were very kind, like, and I had interviewed a lot of people at that point in time. I'd interviewed Jericho and Cody and the yeah. Bucks and Tony Khan. And I think they kind of said, you know what? Chris would be a good addition to that first episode. And without me signing anything, they just yeah. said, hey, our first show is going to be October 2nd. 
It's going to be in Washington, D.C. None of this was public. So they were basically trusting me with this information and going, if you want, we'd love to have you there. And I went, I don't know how I'm going to make this work, but I'm going to make this work. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I was really fortunate. They brought me back, uh, you know, a few weeks later and I did another segment with the Rock and Roll Express on an episode of Dynamite as well. What's your thoughts on AEW? I just love how it's like reinvigorating the wrestling world. Like there's just so much more energy now because there's competition. And, you know, for the first time in almost 20 years, this is not a slight against New Japan or Impact or Ring of Honor or any other company. But for the first time on cable, there is, you know, pro wrestling. And I think it's just so exciting. And AEW is doing a lot of different things which I think we've already seen has had these ripple effects with WWE and any of the other companies. So, yeah. man, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, because like I'm old school. I like watching the old stuff. I can't really, for like WWE, I kind of like, I don't want to say I lost interest because I'll, I'll go online and I'll read stuff like that. Just, yeah, it doesn't draw me like you used to. AEW but I think draws that's, me. Yeah, I think that's the case for a lot of people. Look, wrestling's yeah. cyclical. Uh, and I think there's a very select few people that have started, you know, started watching wrestling in the 80s or 90s and never right. stopped and watched every single episode. But I think that for the majority of people, it comes and goes. And that's okay. I think yeah. that, you know, there's there's um, seasons of your life where you're watching everything. You're watching all three hours of Raw and two hours of SmackDown and two hours of NXT and two hours yeah. of Dynamite and, 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 and. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's other times where you go, yeah, you know, life happened and I'm just not as caught up anymore. Yeah. Well, that's what it was when you mentioned the 90s. I remember like I would record Raw. Yeah. Because Nitro was on. Yep. And then the next day I would watch Raw or the other way around. Depends what same. was happening those nights. Yeah, same. And where I was living in Toronto, Raw aired again the next day on TSN at like 4 p.m. So yeah. I was just such a fan. I would watch it live the night before at 9 p.m. Hmm. And then the next day I watch it again at 4. Why not, right? Yeah. yeah. So out of, the, out of the interviews you've done, for the entertainment side, who's been your favorite? And then who's been your favorite on the wrestling side? I mean, my favorite, I think, mingles between the two and merges between the two, and it's The Rock. Yeah. Like, he's oh, great. Yeah. He's everything you want him to be. Um, yeah. He's kind and he's funny and he's charismatic, and he makes you feel really special in that moment when you're talking to him. But I would say that if, if Rock's going to... I'll pick Rock as my wrestler, even though he's the biggest okay. star in the world right now. Yeah. But... After I interviewed The Rock, next on my list was Tom Cruise. And yeah. was really fortunate to be able to interview Tom Cruise at the last world premiere for the Mission Impossible movie, Mission Impossible 6. Wow. And it was in Paris, in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower. And he's just so present when you talk to him. And I've been a Tom Cruise fan my whole life. I just think he's such an incredible actor. And he has these great subtleties in his performances. But when you talk to him, he's so present. He looks you right in the eye. And it's a great conversation so yeah and i look and i've been super fortunate man to talk to some of the biggest stars yeah. in the world so it's, it's hard to narrow it down to just two but and you mentioned uh, tom cruise and i'm like i can't wait for top gun too ah me too <laughs> me too so um so you lived in florida for all those years what was the final bump where you were like okay it's time that's it going to california i think it was just like i'd always wanted to live in california and I have no allegiances to any cities in the U.S. You know, I've lived in a bunch of them, but it's not like n- there's no town in the U.S. or no state in the U.S. that's my hometown, right? It's yeah. that's Toronto. So I'd been traveling to work 
in LA for like the last 10 years. And I just thought like, man, this is, I've always liked it. There's just an energy in California that I've always loved. And then I started like writing out, like physically writing out the names of all my friends that lived in LA. Yeah. And I went, I think I have more friends in LA than in any other city. <laughs> well, what am I doing here? Right. So it was partly that energy, partly the fact that my friends were here and, you know, partly the fact that this is where stuff happens. You know, if you want to work in entertainment and I've done some acting and obviously some hosting, a lot of podcasting, a lot of YouTube, this is where stuff happens. And I want to be in the middle of where things happen. Speaking of podcasts, you have the insight podcast that did that start when you moved to California? Because I know you've had a few different names of different versions of the podcast. I mean, it's still the same podcast. I just had to yeah. give it a better name. Like, if I'm being honest, the Chris Van Vliet show is a terrible name for a podcast, especially if you have no idea how to pronounce my last name. So uh, my podcast started kind of by accident. I, yeah. My YouTube channel was doing pretty well, and it was getting a decent amount of views. Mm -hmm. And I kept having people telling me, like, you got to put the audio on a podcast for people to listen to. And I was really shying away from it because I didn't want to, like, impact the downloads that I had and the views that I had on my, on my YouTube channel. So I kept shying away from it. And then eventually I went, you know what? It's probably two different audiences. I think the only way I'll really know is if I try this. So I just started ripping the audio from my YouTube videos, yeah. putting them on my podcast and realizing, oh, they are two completely different audiences. It's Someone's funny not you say that. It's, it's true because look, my, my interviews are yeah. 45 minutes, an hour long. Yeah. You're not going to YouTube to watch an hour long video. And I get that. So oftentimes the podcast numbers do better on some episodes than the YouTube channel. Yeah. So I just kind of threw the name out there. Eh, we'll call it the Chris Van Vliet show. My YouTube channel's called Chris Van Vliet. So I realized at the end of last year, with the help of my podcast network, Blue Wire has just been super helpful and they're a tremendous yeah. network of great people. They kind of went, I think your show's more than this. And I went, yes, the show has nothing to do with me. I'm just the person who hosts it. So we started thinking about new names and insight makes sense because it's all about the insightful conversations that we have. And when you were saying about like the YouTube, like when I started my show three, three and a half years ago, it was all audio. Yeah, I didn't okay. start doing video until yeah. like this past January. And the reason I did that because I have like, even just friends and family, they're like, you're talking to some cool people. You should be putting yeah. this on youtube also so i was like oh great more work for me now i gotta edit audio and then i gotta edit video and then you know at the same time i work also so it's like sure it's a lot of work but the thing i realized is the audience on a podcast is different from the audience on youtube is different right. from the audience on instagram from twitter from facebook from tiktok you know and so on and i think that if you could just take that big wad of spaghetti yeah. that big content wad of spaghetti throw it at the wall, throw it at the social media wall, something's going to stick. Someone's going to see that on Twitter that didn't see it somewhere else. And someone else is going to see it on TikTok that didn't even know it existed elsewhere. Right, yeah. So I assume your favorite is still the YouTube portion. Yeah, I mean, YouTube's definitely been my favorite thing just because that's, yeah. I don't know, that's what really got me to where I'm at now. But I think the app that I use the most is Instagram. Like Instagram is probably the one I go to the most. I think that people are, have a chance to really be super creative on YouTube or on uh, Instagram, especially with the way that IG reels are now. So yeah, I think when I create content, I'm thinking Instagram first, 
But then there's definitely times where I'm like, huh, this would be a good podcast episode. So I don't know, like each piece of content, I think works differently based on where you're putting it out to. Now, would your, uh, would your recording your stuff, is it a one man production pretty much? Do you do everything behind the scenes? For the most part. Yeah. But I have a, an audio editor for my podcast, which is super helpful. Yeah. This is all through my network, all through Blue Wire. They've been super helpful yeah. to give me someone that makes graphics. So I don't think you, I mean, you know, you know, yeah. just as well as I do. This is tough to do on oh, your yeah. own. Oh, yeah. And I would much rather have someone who is good at doing this than having me who kind of knows what I'm doing, you know, fumbling my way through it. So yeah. I, I taught myself how to edit. I'm sure we all did, you know, yeah. and, and that's helped. I, I learned how to edit video, which all my YouTube videos are edited by me, unless you see something that actually looks good. And then that definitely was not edited by me. It was edited by someone who knows what they're doing. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do this by myself. And I'm super grateful to have talented people around me awesome. who know how to do all the things that I have no clue how to do. Did you get approached by Blue Wire? How, how did that happen? Yeah, and right when I started my podcast, I had a bunch of networks reach out to me yeah. and ask me if I wanted to be part of a network. And I went, I don't know. I don't know. What's the benefit? And I met with Blue Wire. I met with a bunch of uh, different networks, but Blue Wire just seemed like the best fit. And man, I'm so happy. Like Blue Wire is now getting a studio built in the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas. Like there's wow. gonna, we're going to have a podcasting studio in the lobby of the Wynn Hotel beginning later this year. Like that's so that's good. I mean, I'm super excited. Selfishly, I'm very excited to have like all these. Well, you can do live shows with UFC and everything. Exactly. I mean, Vegas is the celebrity's playground, like yeah. whether, whether it's MMA fighters that live there and train there, mm. or think about all the different musicians that either have residencies there or just yeah. concerts there. Think about all the people that party there. Yeah. There's endless opportunities. So what we podcast, you, like, so what's next for you, man? Like, do, do you, is, there, is there a little teaser you can give us what's next for you? I think it's just more, right? Yeah. It's more. And I think you're going to be seeing me hosting more TV shows as things are starting to open up now. I, I just mm -hmm. filmed a few episodes of a new show that I think you'll be seeing by the end of the year. So, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people will just see my career and know me for the wrestling interviews, but it's just like a sliver of a bunch of the stuff I've been doing. I've been interviewing awesome. celebrities my most of my career, reviewing movies, just hosting in general. So just building on what I have right now and, you know, just continue to enjoy every day. Like, that's the biggest thing. My whole oh, yeah. goal to be excited for what I'm going to do at the start of the day. And then at the end of the day, to be proud of what I've accomplished. And I think that that's like what we should all be aiming for. That's awesome. Is there a celebrity or a sports that you, you hope you can interview someday? That you well, I want, to, I want to attend and also cover a Super Bowl. So that's definitely that's awesome. one of them. But yeah, there's, there's an endless amount of people that I would like to interview. And I think a few just off the top of my head is I would love an interview with Vince McMahon. Not Vince McMahon, the wrestling promoter, but like Vince McMahon, like I want to know who, who's Vince? Who, right. You know, like what does he eat for breakfast? What does his workout routine look like? How much does he sleep? Like I want to know things like that. Mm. So I don't know that that would ever happen, but I'll keep throwing it out into the world and maybe one yeah. day it will. An interview with Elon Musk, I think would be fascinating. Oh, that would be awesome. When he was on Joe Rogan, it was awesome. And that's another one. I think that if you're doing what you and I do here with microphones yeah. in our face as podcasters, 
it's hard not to respect what Joe Rogan has built. Oh my and God. he built this yeah. all himself. And I was a huge fan of his hosting style on Fear Factor. In fact, when I was in college, I remember like writing like papers about like who my favorite hosts were. And he was one of my favorite hosts because he never felt like a host. He just felt like he was one of your buddies mm. and a camera happened to be pointed at him. So I've been a fan of his work and his comedy for geez, 15 plus years. So seeing what he's turned that into is incredible. He's taken all of his passions for oh, comedy, yeah. conversation, for MMA, and he's turned them all into like very lucrative jobs. Yeah. And it's funny like with his interviews and everything too. It's like when you're listening to them, it doesn't even feel like an interview. It feels more like yeah. you're, we're friends and we're just talking. It's so good. Like you'll listen to an episode and they won't even, they'll just like shoot the shit for the first half hour. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like what a luxury that must be. The, the only thing that, you have to break it in parts because you don't have three hours to sit there to listen to one interview. Yeah. It's, I mean, but the fact that he has three hours with someone like an Elon Musk oh, yeah. or any of the, you know, incredible guests that he's had on, it's huge. He's changing the game. He's oh, like, yeah. he's kind of like the new Oprah, you know, Oprah mm -hmm. used to be the place where like you got the stamp of approval. Oh, you were on Oprah. Now it's, mm, you were on Rogan. Yeah. And that's why Spotify jumped on him quickly. <laughs> well, Spotify clearly saw you know the value there and they just did the same with another one of my favorite podcasters with Dak Shepard I love listening to armchair expert yeah oh it went to Spotify yeah he just signed a deal one. with Spotify it hasn't happened wow. yet but he just signed the deal yeah wow, wow. Yeah, yeah they're hungry they're, they want more they're doing it they're doing it right uh Chris uh lastly uh how can the listeners and the viewers find you on social media and everything well, thank you so much for having me on, Elias. This has been great. It's great to be part of the, part of the man cave here. So thank you for inviting me in. And wherever people are listening to this right now, they can find my podcast called Insight with Chris Van Vliet. And then on social media, it's just my name, at Chris Van Vliet, V-A-N-V-L-I-E-T. Chris, this is great, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC podcast and our website, the MCC podcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.